0: following podcast is sponsored by the hood college bookstore
1: most of us think of the bookstore as just a place to buy or rent books well i'm here to tell you that's not the case the hood college bookstore is a great place to buy all kinds of things need some hood branded merch
0: you'll find hoodies and t-shirts hats and scarves sweats and socks mugs and cups they even have hood branded blankets
1: low on shampoo or soap they have you covered
0: Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tacs. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The bookstore has tons. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a Hood College leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The bookstore has your back. Need a last minute birthday gift for your best friend? You'll find plenty of options. What I'm saying is the Hood College bookstore has you covered for all your gift, school, snack, and clothing needs.
1: Oh, and did I mention they also have gift cards? Lots and lots of gift cards. So the next time you're in WIT, stop in and browse around.
0: Mention my name, Tim Jacobson, and the name of this podcast, Get to Know a Blazer.
1: And receive 10% off your purchase.
0: Everything that is except books. But listen to the show first. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Get to Know a Blazer, an in-depth yet lighthearted interview podcast that focuses on the many interesting and wonderful people that inhabit our Hood College campus. I'm your host, Tim Jacobson. For those of you who don't know me, and I'm assuming there are many, I am the coordinator for Hood College Broadcasting Studios and an instructor of visual media communication. Last week, I interviewed Vanessa Solis, who will be leaving us sometime in January to, to have her first baby, which is uh, very, very exciting for her. I know that um, her and her husband are, uh, are very excited to welcome River into, into the world. This week, I am interviewing uh, a person who is, is again, relatively new to Hood. They've been here for about three years. We have met a few times. Uh, We're in a a committee together for an event that's going to be happening here on campus, and Vanessa suggested that I interview this person for the podcast. They're a great person, but um, also with a very interesting backstory, very similar to, not similar to Vanessa's, but um, just a really interesting backstory on how they got here to Hood. So please welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, my name is Tanith corsi and I am the director of graduate admission in the graduate school. And I've been here coming up on three years now. Really enjoy my job and love my grad team.
0: What does a normal day for you kind of encompass?
1: Every day is different, it's hard to say. Um, some days we are totally focused on student applications coming in, inquiries. Other days we'll have um, webinars that we're running for Education USA in different countries. Some other times we'll have meetings with faculty and we'll have grad council. So that's what's exciting about the job is that no two days are alike. And uh, we basically are um, doing a lot of different things within the space of one day so it's it's a very diverse job
0: and every now and then you get to be interviewed on a podcast
1: yep that makes it fun
0: background so i i don't know much but you grew up in monaco or at least some of your not morocco which they're basically the same thing (laughs) i mean the french riviera northwest coast of africa it's basically the same but tell me a little bit about how did you get there? And you th- that's where you were born, right?
1: Yes. Yes. So
0: tell me because I think this is fascinating.
1: Yes. So my background is my my father's an oceanographer and he was he's American and they my parents were very lucky to get stationed in Monaco, which actually ironically the Brits call Monaco, which sounds like Morocco, but different oh, country. I didn't know that. Yep, so the British way is Monaco. But yes, uh, my father got a job there 55 years ago, and it was supposed to be a temporary job, supposed to be maybe two, three years, and he was one of the lucky few who could renew his job, Uh, so he ended up staying there, and I was born there. I ended up going through the whole French education system and did my French baccalaureate, which is basically the equivalent of graduating 12th grade. And they call it a baccalaureate, baccalaureate, which is high
0: school. They don't call it high school.
1: They, they don't call it high school. When you Well, high school is, um, I guess, same thing. You would graduate at the equivalent of 12th grade, although in France it's called terminal. That's your 12th grade. It's terminal. <laughs> That's that sounds, not nice. Sounds a little scary, right? <laughs> and when you reach terminal, a.k.a. 12th grade, you have to do a whole exam that is a year-long exam called the baccalaureate. And if you pass it, then you basically graduate your high school and get to go on to the university. So I love to come to the U.S. after my first um, almost 18 years in France and Monaco.
0: Was your dad working for the government or was it a private corporation or
1: Actually, i oh, not for the allowed Un- to say. Oh, I can say he worked for the United Nations, uh, oh, specifically wow. okay. for the Atomic Energy Agency, which has an acronym if I can remember it, AIEA or something, Yeah, company. it's but like it's, a weird, like it's, it's all vowels. Yes, it's all vowels I know what and you it's mean. um it's a section of the United Nations that's focused on oceanography, atomic energy. And so that that was his his job and that's what brought us to Monaco and kept us there. And my parents are still there. So they are long-term American expats. They've been uh, living in France since the late 60s. So they have pretty much gone native. So they
0: went there... For what they thought was going to be two or three years. Yep. And now.
1: And now. Here sixty
0: something years later. Pushing
1: almost sixty years later, they're still. So they there.
0: never came back.
1: They never came back. How,
0: how did you get back here? Did you just be like France is horrible? I don't want to live here anymore. How no, did that you know,
1: my father always made it clear that higher education was better in the United States okay. than it was in Europe, and so I always grew up knowing my. First part of my education is going to be in France through the French system, but college is going to be in the United States. And so it was never questioned and when it came time to apply to colleges, I only applied to schools in the United States. But it was confusing because Yeah, it was I was just going to say American, that's got to be quite wasn't. the
0: culture shock.
1: Really big culture shock. What was
0: the what, what was the biggest difference coming here besides yeah. the food and well, the roads?
1: I have a funny story, actually. Uh, The biggest difference were probably the fact that I was in Southern California, and you're talking late 80s, not to date myself, but it was late 80s in Southern California, and it was a big state school with a lot of sorority girls. And I was blonde, and I looked like I could have been Californian. But then as soon as I opened my mouth, they knew I was not native (laughs) because I, at the time, I I had more of an accent. I didn't sound American. And this one American uh, sorority girl comes up to me and says, hey, you want to rush? And I had never heard that before. And so I said, rush where? You know, I thought she was asking me to go run off with her somewhere. And I said, rush where? And she kind of looked at me and said, oh, that's okay. Never mind. That was my first uh, culture shock Uh, moments because I'm like, oh, my gosh, even the language is different. I didn't know any of the shows. All the popular uh, pop culture references were completely unknown to me. So I became the French chick. That was my nickname. As soon as I, I got um to school and I was in Southern California, everybody knew me as the French chick. The Even French though chick. I'm technically American. Yes. But, but I had yeah. never lived
0: here. But okay, I you know, I can see. yeah. There are worse things they could have
1: they could have called me worse things. Now did yeah. you
0: accept that with kind of like, Okay, I'll I'll take that or was it kinda of like, Oh man, really?
1: I took it. I was okay with it. The only thing is I felt so isolated because there were no other kind of fish out of water like yeah. me. They were all pretty local, Southern California, and I just felt like I was just from Timbuktu. I just felt like I was from somewhere else, so I had really big culture shock, especially that first year, and every time I would watch E.T., I just started crying because I felt I could relate. I'm like, E.T. wants to go. I never, that's <laughs> I just a great... I really sad every time I saw that movie, and I associate that with my, my freshman year, and... First well, yeah, countries. that's
0: when it came out, right? Wasn't it? It, was it came that out like time. the the middle '80s. I can't remember when I I remember out seeing it. The years theater. before,
1: but yeah. I happened to see it my freshman year, and for some reason, it hit a a soft spot. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can so relate. It was because I was I was um, having culture shock, and I was yeah. homesick, and yeah, so it was tough. I mean, I looked the part; I looked Southern Californian, but I did not feel American. Another big difference is Americans at that time to me seemed very shallow. So, an example. I'd go walk to class, and an American kid would come up and say, hey, how are you doing? And I would stop, and I would want to give a full answer. But they kept walking. And then I soon realized when you say, how are you doing? What's up? You're not expecting a full response. You're just expecting, hey, good. It's kind of like good morning. It's like good morning. Yeah. Big difference. In Europe, if you ask somebody, how are you doing? You're really asking them, how are they doing? You it could stop be a five-minute, 10-minute conversation. Have a conversation. And so I'm like, wow, these Americans, these Californians are so shallow. And so that was kind of my immediate response to American That's interesting.
0: Because like now half the time I walk across campus or something like that, nobody even makes eye
1: contact with you. And now I'm so used to it all these years later that I've become Americanized where I'll do yeah. the same thing. So, But that was something that was different. You know, Europeans, it's hard to get to know them. They're very cold on the surface. But then once you break through their initial reserve, they're friends for life. When I first got here, I felt it was the other way around. You get to know Americans really quickly; they're really friendly, but they're not necessarily lifelong friends.
0: That's interesting. My son, um, I think when he was it was either thirteen or fourteen years old, there was a family from Italy who was staying at uh, uh, an Airbnb two doors up from us, mm-hmm. and Zach was kicking a soccer ball around in the backyard. He's a soccer player, and this boy comes down, you know, that hardly speaks any English. Um, and, you know, they started kicking the soccer ball around. They're mm-hmm. still friends today. 26. Yeah. Um, so they're from Turin. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the um, boy's name is Filippo. Um, Zach has gone over there on vacation a few times. Filippo's coming over here on oh, vacation. Nice. We've had joint vacations together mm-hmm. as families. So, yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, my, you know, my son has a pen pal. He's 26 years old.
1: And he and what's, still has all... Yeah,
0: they, so they still... So what's great is um, when Filippo was working on his English, he would send Zach emails with voice memos attached to it. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to talk in English. You know, or not trying, but talking in English, you know, saying, am I saying this right? Can you listen to what I'm talking about here? Now Zach's doing it because he's learning Italian.
1: Oh, good for him. So when he goes
0: over, he just decided that that's what he was going to do. So it's... I get it. Yeah. It's that lifelong thing. I never... You know, it is.
1: It you is. Know. And I still have lifelong friends from my childhood friends in France. And we don't see each other for months or years even. We see each other. It's like we hadn't left the day before. We were still together. So those connections, I feel, are really lifelong. I've been in the States way longer now than I was in, in France. And yet my closest friends are still some of my European friends.
0: That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Do you get back often?
1: To Luckily, see your parents? because my parents are, are still living there, I get to go back usually once a year, every two years. And so I was back in July, and I'm going back in December. I'm really happy I can get back there because I need my, my breath of European air. Go back to the old land once in a while.
0: Now, when you go back, are there any places that you're like, I have to go here? Or is there a restaurant you have to eat? or A you mountain know?
1: I have to go to. There's a mountain? I have to go to the top of the dog's head. So... My little village is called Capdaille in French, which means Cape of the Garlic. And Ooh, it's literally okay. right on a cliff between the Mediterranean Sea and this little mountain right above the little town. It's called the Dog's Head is the mountain's name because it looks like a dog. And so every time I go back, you hike up the Old Roman Trail, the original Old Roman Trail. Really? and you get up to the top of the dog's head and you have this amazing view all the way from France to Monaco to Italy because we're literally 30 minutes away from Italy so three countries that you can see from the top of this dog's head so that's my spot that's where I always try to get to
0: is there like a a food that you're like I have to go or is like is there coffee or because coffee's different over there wine's different bread is different
1: Yep. I have to have my French pizza. It's nothing like American pizza. All right, so
0: explain this. Because I know that our pizza is nothing like Italian pizza. Zach had pizza in Italy for the first time, and he's like, I had no idea what they're putting in front of me, and I want this all the time now. Yep,
1: yep. So French pizza is very thin crust, but because they use a different flour... It has a different taste. Do
0: they use like a semolina flour or is it just
1: I don't know. It's, okay. I'll have I don't to think find it's semolina out. but it's it's different. I wouldn't think it'd be
0: semolina, but semolina's like really super fine.
1: It's not, but it has a different taste. So okay. that's number one, is you have to have the right crust. And then it's thin and then I like what's called pizza ren, which is the queen pizza. It has ham, mushrooms, and black Mediterranean olives. And is it like
0: prosciutto, like real thin ham, or like is it just real like, thin, like ham. thin yeah?
1: And then what makes it European is that you have this special oil with herbs and hot pepper. It's called pizza oil, and you uh, it's extra virgin olive yeah. oil with the herbs and the and the hot pepper, and you put that on top of the pizza, and that's what makes it the French pizza. I'm gonna and, have to look oh, up French
0: flour because we make we make homemade pizza all the time at home.
1: Mm-hmm. If you use French flour, it'll. I'm taste gonna, I'm better. gonna
0: find some French flour. And see what I can do. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Thanksgiving's coming up. Do you have any kind of like Thanksgiving traditions? Well, I mean, I guess growing up in Europe, even though you were there, you're still mm-hmm. American. So did you did you celebrate or have Thanksgiving dinner? We
1: did, yes. So my parents, even though they've been expats all these years, they still keep to the American tradition. So I did grow up with Thanksgiving, although I have to tell you, really hard to find the ingredients over there for pumpkin pie (laughs) we had to actually bring that back from the states because that was just not a thing yep and um, turkey at the time when i was living there was not easily found in france because the french don't really eat turkey much at that time of year we had to go over to italy 30 minutes away not far to get turkey because the italians had turkey but the french you wouldn't find that in their supermarkets so it was kind of a difficult thing but we had thanksgiving and uh, we had Christmas and New Year's and yeah. all the other things that the Europeans also celebrate.
0: Now, did did any of your friends, like, comment on that growing up? I would imagine they'd be like, oh, you know, Tan, it's going away. You know, we got to get her a Christmas present. Or, you know, here she goes, you know, with her turkey.
1: Yeah, uh, well... You know, I don't remember any of my little French friends coming over for uh, Thanksgiving, to be honest, because that was kind of a family time. Yeah. So they never really got to experience the American Thanksgiving we had in Europe, which okay. was kind of a mix. Because we, if we couldn't find pumpkin pie, we had to have something else, substitute it with something else. So um, it was kind of a, yeah, a little family odd tradition, a modge of different traditions that we kind of put together and made our own. And we I did think- that a lot. We're, we're a small family, so we created our own little traditions. If they, okay. they didn't quite fit in in the States, and they didn't quite fit in in France, but they became Fowler traditions. That's really cool. Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have a little brother who's uh, quite a bit younger, eight and a half years younger, just the two of us. And so I was always kind of his second mom, and okay. he was always my, my little baby brother. He still is. He's in his 40s now, and he's still my baby brother.
0: Um, so did he kind of follow that same... He did. Educational path that you did come over here?
1: He did, but the funny thing is, he lives in actually in Virginia, where I live as well, but he still sounds European. So the funny thing is, he never quite lost his European flair and accents. And when he speaks, people will say, where are you from? But I lost mine, and I think the difference is because I read a lot, and reading... And writing, you become a little bit more, maybe acculturated. I'm not sure. My brother was never, he was, he's more of a visual media kind of guy. And so I don't know, maybe that's the difference, but he sounds French and I sound American. But we had pretty much the same upbringing. He just did exactly what I did, but 10 years later.
0: Was there like a time or some, like a situation where you were talking, you're like, oh, accent's gone. Was it or was it just like gradual? Did you know? You're like, Yep, yeah, don't have that accent anymore.
1: It was gradual. I when I first, do you, like uh, do you
0: miss the accent? You're like, Man, you know.
1: I don't necessarily miss it because it made me feel like I stood out. Okay. Not in a great way. But when I first got here I used to say I, I read British books growing up because in, in France, uh, we learned British English at school, sure. not in American English. So I used to say whilst instead of whilst whilst, yeah. So people would make fun of me, I'd say, Well, I'm going out here whilst you do this and they'd like, You sound so stuck up. But it's not that I was trying to be affected. I just grew up reading whilst, whilst in the yeah. books. So there was no particular moments, but I think gradually, especially after my first five years, I became acculturated. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: You went to school Southern California, so were you did you spend a lot of time going to the beach, surfing?
1: I Hanging wasn't out really with, you a surf know. chick. I, I was more of an outdoors. I've always been an outdoors okay. person. So I did spend a lot of time exploring the beautiful California coast and the mountains yeah. and camped and everything. My dad was a California surfer back in the 60s. When oh, really? he, he grew up in Southern California. He's a true Southern Californian. during the Beach Boy time... Now,
0: San Diego, Southern California, or like Thousand Oaks? Well, he or... grew up
1: um, a little inland, but he would go down to that coast. Yeah, not yeah. too far from San Diego. Okay. And he was actually one of the original, you know, surfing Southern California guys from the 60s listening to the Beach Boys. And uh, I was more of a kind of outdoorsy person.
0: My dad grew up outside of chicago and longed to be a california surfer, surfer. he was a he was a skier mm-hmm. um water skier he they him and a couple of his friends they actually built their own water ski boats and they built their own skis and they would ski and they had a yeah. club and all that stuff but he want, yeah he was heavy into the beach boats. oh yeah i think if he would have yeah
1: one thing i surfer. i did notice though is that because I grew up by the ocean by well, I grew up by the Mediterranean Sea sure and one thing you take for granted when you grow up by a body of water is you always know where you are in relationship to the water right and I noticed that when I was away from the water I would lose my sense of orientation so oh, really when I was in Southern California I was inland and I was like oh gosh I'm getting lost what's going on I'm usually really good but when I was down on the coast I could tell you exactly where different towns were it's because I knew where the ocean. was. You were
0: orienteering with the ocean.
1: Yeah, and here on the East Coast, well, oh, it was like all backwards. Me, it was all backwards because the sun doesn't set over right, the water. Right. On the Mediterranean, it does. Pacific Ocean, it does. And then here, it went backwards. <laughs> that was really wow. confused. That's so. Nice when did you get
0: to Frederick? Like, how long have you been?
1: I. Uh, I well, mean, do you live here in Frederick? I. Don't. But you. So
0: you went to college in.
1: I went to college. Southern in California. Southern California. Then came out to the D C area for grad school. Okay. And D C and at American University. Mm-hmm. And that was an intentional decision on my part because I wanted to be closer to Europe, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, I felt the East Coast was a little bit more old world, a little bit closer to what I was used to. Yeah, it was a little so, more history here. And I've been here ever since. Okay. After grad school, started working. So I actually live in Northern Virginia, not here in Frederick. Okay. I love Frederick. Are
0: you like Leesburg area, or
1: I'm actually um, close to Dulles Airports, Center Virginia. Okay, so Virginia. you're down
0: there near Herndon. Yep. Okay.
1: Yep, Northern Virginia. That's a commute. It's an hour commute each way, but I go through beautiful wine vineyards, you know, cows and sheep's and things, and I listen to audio books and keep my brain engaged, and I'm going against traffic. That's the big thing.
0: That's a good thing. So, what's your what's your favorite audio book like right now? Like, what's one that you're listening oh, to that, that you think would be a great?
1: Great one. This is one that I listen to called um, what is it called? Pancakes in Paris. I think Pancakes is the name. I think that's the title. Something like that. And it's about an American fellow who moves to France, and opens up a diner in Paris, oh. and all his cross-cultural adventures. So this really is like really almost a,
0: a true story kind of. Mem- oh, it is a, it's true a memoir. Story.
1: It's a memoir. But the guy is the uh-huh. funniest. Ne- I mean, I was cracking myself up, laughing. It's so funny. Okay. Yeah, Pancakes and Pears. Pancakes and Pears. Yeah. I just got done listening
0: to, um, were you a big Talking Heads fan growing up in the 80s? Oh, yeah, we heard. Yeah, yeah. So Chris Franz wrote a memoir called Remain in Love. And I just Mm -hmm. got done listening to that. The only tough part about it is Chris Franz's delivery is very much like this through the whole book.
1: That's hard. And when we
0: were at the CBGB playing with, Lou Reed and Blondie mm-hmm. I'm like oh my god Chris come on terrible it, it, yeah. if the content wasn't super interesting because I was a huge Talking Heads fan I would have turned mm-hmm. it off a long time ago yeah that's, but a, that's a shame it, the content of it was really really interesting mm-hmm. Pancakes and, okay I going to look up that yes
1: one. I think uh, Craig Carlson I think is but I'll send you the information best audio book I've listened to in a while excellent mm-hmm.
0: so here's my oddball question and it's because I was uh thinking about it the other day winter olympics are coming up if you could be good at any olympics winter sport what would it be
1: huh good question well i would have to say downhill skiing just because i used to do that when i was living in europe Mm -hmm. and i used to have the the luck to be able to ski in the alps and i love that feeling of freedom when you're just gliding down a mountain and you're one with the mountain and and i haven't done it like in 20 years
0: why not I,
1: I just, mean, we don't have big we don't
0: have big mountains here, but
1: I've the never s- gone to the small skiing one. here, which is crazy, right? I should do it this winter. Um, that's probably what I'd want to do, okay? Because I really enjoy that feeling of being one with the mountain and the sky and the sun. That
0: would be awesome. Were you like? Were you? I mean, besides skiing, growing up, were you? Did you? Play any sports or did you? I danced. Any... I was a dancer. You were a dancer? Good yep. for you.
1: I was a dancer. I started off with ballet. What kind of I was, yeah, was
0: going to say, but what kind then, of ballet? And
1: um, then I switched over to modern dance, kind of contemporary modern dance. That was more my thing because I never liked points or anything like that. And it was more expressive modern it's dance. It's a little
0: easier on your feet, too.
1: It's a lot easier on your body in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so. I don't know many. I have a friend who is a ballet dancer uh, in New York. Ballet. Um, modern dance. Modern. Well, she dances on point and mm-hmm. she just. I don't know what she does. Like, her feet are just, like,
1: It's terrible. she's like, that's the thing. Ballet is terrible you know? on the body. It looks beautiful, but it's definitely not good for you.
0: Gymnastics is the same way. I was a gymnast growing up. And mm-hmm. um, I went through high school. I got in a really bad car accident in high school and in my career. But um, and I have friends that are like, you know, do you wish you could have done gymnastics more? And I'm like, now I don't because my body's a wreck. Oh, my knees and shoulders, you know yep um, are just so beat up.
1: yep it's, you know It feels great when you're young and you're oh, doing yeah. that, but then you pay for it down the road right Yeah.
0: My brother was yep. a swimmer I'm like I should have should have swam because they're just like you know we can swim until we're like 80 years old. everything's great. It's super you know
1: it's low impact on the joints. Yeah.
0: So now you're here, you've been here for three years. Where were you before you were here? What were you doing before you were here at Hood? I
1: was, uh, I've always worked in higher education, so okay. that's been my career path. Was um, that what your degree was in? No, actually my graduate degree was in international communication with a focus on cross-cultural communication. So my okay. passion is really br- uh, creating bridges between cultures. So that's just kind of the thing that excites me, but I've always done that in the context of higher I think education. everybody
0: should be wanting to do that.
1: Yes. Create bridges yeah. as opposed to barriers. Yeah. absolutely. I
0: totally agree with that.
1: So I worked at different universities in the D.C. area, a large state institutions, small, private, everything in the middle. And I got to Hood about th- almost three years ago now and just knew this was the most magical of places. So this has been my favorite college higher education setting for so many reasons. So Now we just got to get you
0: to move to Frederick and get well, rid of that commute.
1: That could happen. That could happen at some point, for sure. I love Frederick. It's, it's, it's a, such a beautiful, historic little yeah. town. So vibrant.
0: Do you have any favorite yeah. restaurants downtown? Have you ever been? Like,
1: I like the White Rabbit. Uh,
0: yeah, my son and his because girlfriend love the White Rabbit. Because it reminds me of
1: England, which is one of my favorite places. And it has that pub, English pub feel.
0: It yeah. used to be um, a, um, a Mexican restaurant.
1: Huh.
0: Um, what's the Mexican restaurant that's right on the, it's right on the creek? It's, uh, it's Graham Baker's Place, and I can't remember what it's called. But that's where they started out. Oh. And then it's gone through a couple different places that fizzled out and failed. It's mm-hmm. not a great location. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no visibility. you got to have good food. But White Rabbit has made it where I think they're going to be it's there for quaint. a while now. Yeah. It's quaint. And when it's you're small, sitting
1: outside, yeah. it has that little courtyard European feel. So that's, that's probably why I like It, it has that old feel. I agree. Yeah, but so many good restaurants and I know only half of them, not even.
0: So There's um if you like sushi. I do. Um Lazy Fish is a fantastic place to go. Mm. That's one of our favorite places to go. And then um Sabora de Cuba is a really good Cuban I've restaurant. I've
1: seen that one. Haven't been. Yeah, I've been to the Spanish tapas place. Really like that one. Isabella's? Isabella's. I would
0: go there every day Love of the Isabella's. Week. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> if I could.
1: Love Isabella's. I yeah. mean, honestly, I haven't yet been at, to a restaurant downtown that I haven't enjoyed. There used to be a Middle Eastern, kind of lebanese place that's closed now that I used to like. Middle Eastern food. Kind of... Was that rotten. the one that was
0: down on East Street? A
1: little bit off from the center, but... It was yummy and big, and I think it closed. But yeah, that was, I know
0: they closed. Yeah. I think that was Michael Terrazzo's place. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have good food, you're not going to survive in downtown Frederick because everybody has high expectations for what they're going to
1: I love that because I'm a foodie. I love good food and good wine. So Yeah, and
0: Postoros yep. is a pretty decent pizza place over on East Street.
1: Yep, yeah, um, I think I've been there once or twice, too. So. Yeah. With the grad school, we try to rotate and, and try out different places once in a while. But love, Frederick. You're lucky if you live here.
0: I've been here it's since nice. 89.
1: Oh, you'll be my resource then if I yeah. ever do move here.
0: In the third, yes, yeah, the third house. Well, I mean, apartment, renting a house. Mm-hmm. No one house. Nice. Lots of changes. I think we're getting a little bit too big for our britches. Mm. Traffic-wise. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of farmland, and there's a lot of places where there was like
1: open it's space. Still charming. Though. But we're still,
0: yeah. I mean, really charming. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. I think we're gonna max out sometime soon. Yeah. I think with Hood, it's just a great location for a college.
1: Oh, the best. I think yeah. you know
0: Frederick is a huge selling point for Hood. Hood, in and of itself, is a good selling point.
1: But it's a hidden secret. Yeah. Maybe that's a good thing.
0: I think so, yeah. from our
1: perspective, from you know admissions, it's not because the more the better, right? But for a resident it's probably a good thing to be a hidden hidden jewel
0: oh yeah and i I, you know i'll i get here at eight o'clock in the morning for classes and there's always somebody walking a dog a neighbor or something like that
1: a lot of dog walkers i've noticed in frederick through yeah so
0: that's always good so uh, what are your plans for for thanksgiving
1: i am going to have it at our home and uh are you married I'm married, yeah, okay, and tell I have me, a son. Well, I, yeah. I'm, my, my husband is half Italian, half Burmese. Okay. And my son is a mix of all different cultures wow. between the two of us. Where did you and your husband meet? American University. Okay. He was an international student, so yep. coming in. And uh, we got married in Mexico, so very global background. So my family lived. So in did France you do that on
0: purpose? Like go to me- like we're gonna go to Mexico. and No, get his, married.
1: his parents at the time were living in oh, okay. Mexico. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they had lived in seven countries, wow. and so again that connection to world, you know, the world yes. is, is super important to me. So my son is now 15. Okay. Wants to be pro soccer. Speaking about soccer.
0: If he and, needs advice, uh, I have him talk to Zach. Cause Zach played in college, and you know, on scholarship. And oh, he's now he's now coaching he's the goalkeeper coach for the girls' soccer team. Okay. And he's director of goalkeeping for our local club team, which is F C Frederick and that's the club he grew up
1: in. So Excellent. he's director
0: of goalkeeping for
1: that club. Yeah, I will. That's that's his one passion. He definitely has no other goal. He wants to be pro soccer wants to uh, play for a European team preferably a British team Ooh, so he's what's super... his favorite
0: what's his uh does he have a, a he has fav... a
1: favorite one and of course I I'm not as into it but he has a favorite British team and uh favorite player M- Mbappe used to be his favorite Mbappe. player yeah. Haba- yeah yeah and uh, oh yeah he's very focused oh good but he's like one set one track mind you know so we'll see if that remains yeah I
0: mean it's you know if you know um he's good there's there's a lot of pathways And if you ever want to talk about that, we went through that all with with Zach and everything. Good, bad, ugly. Okay. That is involved in the recruiting process. So he's he's 15. He's a junior?
1: He's a sophomore. sophomore, And he thinks, I keep saying, you know, hey, you're going to come to Hood for college because, you know. And he's like, but I'll be a pro soccer player by then. I'm like, really? That's only three years away. You better get moving. (laughs) So he doesn't even think he's going to need to go to college. But I'm telling him, you need to start thinking college because... It's not that easy to become pro pro soccer um, player. You have to get discovered and be really yeah. So
0: unless you unless you're unless his club team has some like European friendlies, you know
1: he plays for Barca, which is um, I guess originally the Barcelona team. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's on the Barca team, and so they have kind of European connections through that, I guess. But
0: so you guys are into the like you know every weekend, every other weekend. Oh, it's an every weekend thing somewhere.
1: Yep yep every yeah. weekend somewhere he plays Saturday Sunday, practice three times a week yeah,
0: yeah we were in when it wasn't high school season they had um they had tournaments his junior and senior year almost every other weekend mm-hmm. and they would get slips to say, Give this to your principal so because you're leaving Friday yep so he was barely ever in school on a Friday, yeah when he was in high school, and it was all. Going to Raleigh, going to Rochester, going out to you know Ohio, we were everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. It's good exposure for him, good experience, and since he's so yeah. directed in his passion, I'm I'm happy he can do that. He never complains about practice. Good. He never complains about being in the car three hours to get to the game.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean well, that's. Yeah, you can not.
1: <laughs> yeah, dream I mean that's true. you
0: know we always had the discussion with Zach was you know you can play you know as long as you want. Yeah. There's no pressure for you to ever. Because I, I know there's a lot of parents who push their kids. Because mm-hmm. I coach, mm-hmm. and I see it, and I'm like, "Don't do that to your kid. He's nine years old."
1: Yeah. No, this is all him. I, you know, we're, we don't have to push at all because he's pushing himself.
0: Well, yeah. If you ever, you know, need any kind of advice on how to like approach that, thank you. I'll take you. Let up me on know. That. Well, thank you for Thanks, being here. I hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving and Likewise. that it's restful and peaceful and relaxing and.
1: Oh, I'm sure it will be. Just and having that, the time off is nice.
0: Yeah, you're going to be able to get back home and see Mom and Dad.
1: Yes. And have French and pizza. Have French pizza. F- French pizza. <laughs> I'm going to look up,
0: and then if it, if it turns out, I'll bring you something.
1: Sounds like a plan. Well, thank, you, thank you
0: so much for being here.
1: Thank you, thank you.
0: Yeah, wonderful. See, I told you guys that this was going to be an interesting episode parents born in southern california dad uh, a surfer original original surfer from the 60s moves to monaco thinking he's only going to be there for two maybe three years ends up staying how fantastic is that Tanith grows up in monaco comes here when she's 18 years old goes back to southern california where her dad grew up moves cross country here because she wanted to be a little bit closer to Europe. Just a wonderful story. And I, I had a really good time uh, getting to know her a little bit better. And I, I will have to say, I did find some authentic French flour, did some research online, bought some bought some pizza oil, and made uh, authentic French pizza just yesterday. And I will say that it is all about the flour. This flour was amazing. Super thin, lots of bubbles. The olive oil is fantastic. Just a, just a little bit spicy. So thank you very much for, for that. I'm getting to, uh, to the point where I'm getting food recommendations from all my guests, which I am totally down with. Um, anytime anybody wants to come on the show and give me food recommendations, I am all for that. Hope you guys had a a good time with this episode. Um, The one thing that I didn't do with Tanith is ask her who I should interview next time. I did. I sent her an email, and she recommended a couple people. I'm going to keep them in mind. They are all associated with the graduate program, so I kind of want to grab somebody outside the graduate program and then maybe come back. So I have a couple people in my I have one that I think is going to be very interesting for our next episode. Until then, though, I'm Tim Jacobson. This is Get to Know a Blazer. Make sure that you are kind to each other. Be kind to yourself and have a great week. Lead-in and lead-out music for our show, titled Grandpa, is written and played by none other than John Medallis. Get to Know a Blazer is a production of Hood College Broadcasting Studios.